Hello, lovers. Welcome to the Nutrition Nuptials podcast. A few announcements before we jump into today's show. So first and foremost, if you are a bride-to-be or a couple who's just looking to get on the right track when it comes to your nutrition, health, and wellness habits, you can head on over to nutritionnuptials.com slash starter guide for a free five-day starter guide all about nutrition, fitness, and self-care. You'll get a five-day meal plan, a grocery list, an exercise challenge, and a self-care tracker for hydration, stress management, and hey, something we're talking about today, sleep. So head on over to nutritionnuptials.com slash starter guide and grab that sucker. Do it. Taco said so. That's right. And as I mentioned in our last episode, wedding season is fast and furiously approaching. And if you're a bride-to-be or a couple who's either just looking to get on track for the big day, or maybe you're going to be guests at a wedding and you just want to get on track to look good. Don't you want to look big slamming day. in that suit or bridesmaid's dress? All the above. Yeah. Well, if you need a little help with that, that's where Mandy, the dietitian, can come into play. So I do work with brides and couples to help them get on track when it comes to their nutrition and fitness, um, whether it's for the big day or just getting on track together with that. So that can include nutrition, really focusing on intuitive eating, which we talked about a few episodes ago nutrition, fitness, and just getting on track together with that. Okay. And finally, a huge shout out and thank you to our sponsor, Podigy. Podigy is our amazing company that we use to edit this podcast because when you are running a company, a podcast and consulting, editing can sometimes be a little bit lower on the to-do list. So that's where the awesome team over at Podigy comes into play. They have been absolutely amazing in turning around our our podcast, our show notes, and just keeping us all on track. So thanks so much, guys, because of you, we've been able to get a little bit more sleep in our day. Outsource it to the experts. Exactly. So if you would like to maybe thinking about starting a podcast or maybe you have one and editing isn't your favorite activity to do, you can head over to podigy.co. That's P-O-D-I-G-Y dot co, not to be confused with com, and tell them Taco and Mandy from Nutrition Uptual sent you. You'll get 25% off of your first month of editing. That breaks down to 20% off because of Mandy and another 5% off because of me. I thought you were going to do some like nerd math and I was going to be really annoyed at you. (laughs) Why? Am I a nerd? Because you do math in your head. Yeah, well, that like I'm a, a person who is educated in math. Yeah, so everyone has their specialties and podcast editing is where Podigy comes into play. So go head over to them, help you out, get your podcast sounding amazing. And like I said, Big ups tell to them pro- we sent you. Big ups to Podigy. All right. Well, let's jump into today's show. Taco, what do you say? Let's do it. Awesome. It's the Nutrition Nuptials Podcast with Taco and Mandy, where we're helping couples learn how to live their happily- healthfully ever after. Hello and welcome to Nutrition Uptual's podcast. We're helping couples go from a me to a we when it comes to their health and wellness. My name is Mandy Enright. I'm a registered dietitian who hates diets and I am joined today and every week by my favorite slumber party buddy, Taco. What's up? So Taco, we are talking all about sleep today. Mm -hmm. And there actually is a reason for that. Why is that? It is because this week is National Sleep Awareness Week. 
Do you think people are unaware of sleep? No, people are actually very aware of sleep. So very interesting fact, uh, the National Sleep Foundation put a report out, uh, I think 2018, they put a report out. So last year, all about people and their their sleep awareness. And what was interesting is people realized when they had more sleep, they felt more productive. Mm -hmm. So there is an awareness. So do you think it should be like sleep appreciation week or sleep like more this week. Actually, you know, what's interesting is it's coming right after we lost an hour this this week too, is where we just turned the clocks forward. That's oh, crazy. So I think people are very much aware. Of that sleep. is interesting that they chose daylight savings. daylight savings. Yeah, that's interesting that they chose daylight savings as their like sleep awareness week when you do lose an hour. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. That is a super fun fact. Thanks, Taco. I'm here to help. Yeah. So um, in addition to it being National Nutrition Month, we are here talking about sleep because I always say I have my five pillars of health and that is nutrition, exercise, hydration, stress management, and sleep. And the reason for that is sleep plays a big factor in our health as well as our our weight. Recovery. It's basically recovery time, right? Totally. You got to shut down. Just like I tell my corporate wellness folks all the time, just like you got to put your cell phone onto a charger, you got to put yourself onto a charger and do a little rest. Way to get contemporary with your analogies there. I'm super hip. So that's how I get my know, You know who's not hip? Somebody. First of all, hip isn't actually people who say hip. Right. People who say hip are not hip, number one. And number two, if hip is a thing, I'm pretty sure it's not cool. It's not like lit. Mm-hmm. You want to be lit. I'm just curious. How do, how do you keep up on like the the lingo? Is it because like oh, you're on you go on Instagram? Yeah, you, you hang out. I, on I hit up the gram. I, mm-hmm. I see what the I see what the kids are doing. You see what the latest stickers are. Yeah, yeah, and the stories. You got to follow the stories because mm-hmm. they put like things on the stories, and there's like little fireballs that say lit when something's cool happening. I'm gonna bring hip back. <laughs> Please don't. Oh, well, maybe if I slept a little more, I could uh, be more on top of these these cool trends. That's right. So what's interesting is they say that we spend a third of our lifetime sleeping. You should. You probably should. Yeah. If you're supposed to sleep about seven, eight hours a day in a 24 hour day, that actually works out to a third. That, that is true. Yeah. I, so I the- don't mean to speak down to people like you who don't know math well, but that's the math. Mm hmm. Thank you. There you go. Thank you for breaking it down. Yep. Sleep math for dummies. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Sorry. So as you as you've actually very well alluded to, yeah, the, the National Sleep Foundation does recommend that we get at least seven to nine hours of sleep a day. And unfortunately, most people actually don't meet that number. I can yeah. attest to that. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I tell I say a lot too in um because I do a lot of sleep talks to corporate wellness folks is that it doesn't just have to be the the quantity of sleep. So you may say that you slept for nine hours or seven hours, but if you're tossing and turning all night and you're getting up, you go into the bathroom and you're rolling over and you're checking your cell phone, that's not quality sleep. And you were Netflixing in bed before you went to sleep. Yes. And we'll talk about the screen time thing as well, which is a, uh, a point of contention for my husband because I'm a TV watcher before bed and that is one of the big recommendations. Not, this is going to be one of the most divisive episodes we've ever recorded of this podcast. I know. We are such on opposite ends of this topic. Yeah. In practice. Yeah, totally. 
So uh, it's interesting. And I don't know if we're the only couple that happen to not have uh, be in sync when it comes to sleeping. I can pretty much guarantee you that we're not. But it's what's interesting is how we are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of execution of this uh, sleep thing. So, you know, not perfect. Yeah. So if um, you and your significant other are or are not on the same page when it comes to your sleep habits, head on over to Facebook. You can go to the Nutrition Nuptials VIP After Party Facebook group. And we want to hear all from you guys. What is it like for your sleep habits in your household? Are you on the same page? Are you on opposite ends of the spectrum? Are you on opposite ends of the bed? Do you not even sleep in the same bed? That's when that last one is kind of curious because I think, I mean, I don't know. I personally am not aware of any couples who do not share a bed. I, I agree. And actually, you know, the one thing I, I meant to look up before we, we started recording was I actually wanted to find out, like, what is the origin of sharing a bed? Hmm. Maybe the, that'll be for the post uh, post after the podcast recording. Yeah. So if you do know the answer to that, let you us can, know. Or you can record a cut in later. Or I'll record a cut in. But if you if you happen to know the answer, like, you know, what where in history did it start that Couples share beds. And it, it's, you know, after marriage, couples share beds together. Why is that? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm always one of the first. I, I actually, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I really don't. I don't understand, like, why it has to be a thing. You know, I, I like, there might be people out there who don't know what we look like. But we're not the two biggest people in the world. And we've got a decent-sized bed. We have, so a queen, we have a queen size bed, but it's not like you roll over and like hit me with your arm or something like that. Like half the time, I don't even know you're in the bed. No, not like, oh, wait, can I reveal something like, uh, su- yes, no, yes, no, please. Uh, Jesus Christ, go. Okay. So when I met Taco. No, come on. Oh, yeah. When I All met right, Taco. I have a good explanation for this. Well, the first part. Okay. So when I met Taco, I met him down at the, the shore, the Jersey Shore where he had a shore house and everybody has twin beds at the shore house. That's just standard. So yes, I shared a twin bed with taco at the shore house. Then I got to see his, his actual apartment when he wasn't at the shore house. And lo and behold, there's a twin bed staring at me. It was meant so that like nobody would ever stay. Mm-hmm. But then I met you. And you- Is that when you knew I was the one when I didn't run, when I saw a twin bed in your room? Yeah. That, well, I mean, pretty much. That was the number one criteria, actually. You check the box on that, then like you're in. Well, the good news was eventually Taco's roommate moved out. He left behind his, I'm going to say it's like a full-size bed. Yeah, whatever. So we upgraded. And then we moved in together and we got queen-size beds. So we're due for a new mattress. And guess what? We're finally going to upgrade to the king-size bed. (laughs) History of Taco and Randy's bed. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it. we go to hotel rooms and it's like those really big, like California King beds. And it's like, I don't even know you're in there. Barely. Know. I mean, we barely can. The queen size is actually big enough, but I have no problem with upgrading more and bigger is always better, as Barney Stinson would say. So let's do it. So I don't know if I'm, I'm the only one. I, I put something on Facebook. Can I, get I, I props have... for that? Yes. Reference? Way to go. <laughs> Jeez. That was legendary. Thank you. You got it. Um, yeah. So I actually, I put something on Facebook last week to ask people. I'm like, you know, like, how do you feel about sleeping in the same bed? And there were a couple of people who like messaged me separately. They're like, I can't answer this because my significant other is on Facebook and I can't realistically like give my real opinion, but like, I'm not down with it. Wow. Like, Controversy. Again. And like you said earlier, like we're on the different pages with sleep habits. Like 
I, I think it's not easy to find someone who has like your exact sleep habits because everyone was raised differently and everyone has different schedules. Excuses, and, excuses. Yeah, sure. They're excuses. But at the end of the day, you know, your bed is your place where you like to go and like relax and, you know, you're sharing with another person, whether they're tossing and turning or not. I mean, as long as we're not. going down this path, why yeah. even sleep in the same room? I don't know. Because. Well, I mean, okay, so you could Flintstone it. And, like <laughs> the Flintstones slept in the same room. They just had separate twin beds. Right. Or Ricky and Lucy. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead here, but there's habits associated with sleep that have to do with what time you actually walk into the room that disrupt my sleep that mm-hmm. are not particularly helpful for me. Right. So, you know, sleep is a, is a controversial. Topic. Get ready. Buckle up your seatbelts, people. <laughs> We're going to get controversial here. All right. So before we talk about the relationship controversy of sleep, let's talk about the health controversy of sleep. Is it really a controversy? It's not really controversy. It's actually just widely documented okay. that sleep does have a lot of impact on our overall health. So when we look at poor sleep habits, um, it can lead to weight gain. It can lead to sickness. So we talked a lot about the common cold and and infections last last week on the show. Um, High blood pressure and stress and anxiety all all as a result of poor sleep. That's a long list. It's a, it's, it's a, a list of that is a list of side effects. Correct. And then when we're sleep deprived, we tend to act more impulsively. Mm-hmm. We tend to have a lot less focus and uh, we tend to make poor decisions. <laughs> so you probably have that bowl of ice cream before bed when you're already going to bed too late and you probably are snacking more throughout the day. So that can definitely be part of it. Um, even, you know, think about if you had a poor night's sleep, you go to work the next day, you send the email out that you shouldn't have sent out. You said something pretty nasty to your boss or a coworker. You, uh, I don't know, just something silly on your commute. Like there's, there's a lot of things. They actually say like sleep deprivation is pretty similar to being drunk. So our reaction time is less and we make poor, our, our judgments impaired. <laughs> so if you're looking to make, uh, hook up with somebody and make some bad decisions, just deprive yourself of sleep. Don't even bother with the booze. <laughs> I guess that's one. That is one avenue to go down. Yeah. So our, our decreased brain activity leads to um, really impacts our, our alertness attention and um, kind of causes your brain to go like decline, like almost going back to like a baby's. Wow. That's pretty dramatic. Right. The and, consequences of sleep deprivation. Who knew? Right. And all you need is that seven to nine hours of sleep. That's a lot for some people. Yeah, for for some people. Um, Okay, so weight gain. So, you know, you mentioned about maybe not making the best decisions before going to to sleep. That could be part of it. Um, You can actually be more tempted by junk foods or sugary foods um, that can lead you to have a higher increase of crappy foods before going to bed. Um, Our circadian rhythm. So that is kind of the, our, our, internal body clock clock that we that we tend to be on so it has impacts on our physical or mental behavior um it's actually our response to light and darkness so Mm -hmm. when there's light we tend to be more active when Mm -hmm. it's darkness we tend to be more sleepy um there's been a lot of research and connection done to our circadian rhythm as well as our metabolism goes Mm -hmm. when they're in sync that's when your metabolism is functioning at its best and most efficiency. And when they're not in sync, that's when our metabolism tends to be more slower Mm. and we're not utilizing our energy as efficiently. So sleep's pretty important. 
sleep is pretty damn important. Yeah. All if right. you take nothing else away from this episode, get some sleep. Again, the awareness factor, I think most people know. People are aware of sleep. People are aware that they need the sleep. Right. I think this is like sleep execution week. Let's sleep. Just sleep more. Yeah. The other thing that comes up a lot is what to eat versus when to eat it. So we'll go on the one end first where let's say you, whatever, you had a terrible night's sleep or you went to bed really late and you slept in, you skipped breakfast and you went to work or maybe it's the weekend and you woke up at 11, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So now like your eating cycles all all thrown off. Mm-hmm. The other thing too that, you know, people ask me all the time is, you know, is it bad to eat after like X time? And the answer? Well, the first answer I always give is I think Oprah started that rumor. So thanks, Oprah. Oprah. Oprah's not a dietitian. Mm, Just bring that up. Controversial. Just saying. That is a controversial statement. Um, The other thing, too, is that what's interesting is while your body does have a clock, it doesn't tell time, if that makes sense. So when you say, oh, well, I don't eat after five or I don't eat after 8 p.m., your body doesn't know it's five o'clock or eight o'clock at night. What it knows is if you've nourished it appropriately or not. Because I've had people tell me, they're like, oh, well, if I don't eat dinner by five o'clock, I just, I don't eat anything until the next morning. But they're still, you know, active doing mm-hmm. things over a couple hours. So you're not really giving yourself the, the nourishment and energy that you need. And your body doesn't know time. Like I said, it just knows it might be kind of hungry. It's undernourished. Correct. So again, getting back to that whole cycle and circadian rhythm of trying to get in sync in that respect. Okay. All right. So Taco, have you ever heard of the term sleep hygiene? Wow. Uh, No, I don't think I have. I'm going to say no, even though I think I probably have, but I don't know what it means. So I'm going to say no. So all sleep hygiene is, it's a fancy, very clinical term for sleep habits. Okay. So basically means that you're getting full, deep sleep at night. And you're awake and alert during the daytime. Has nothing to do with washing your hands before bed or brushing your teeth before bed. No, but I get that answer a lot because when I <laughs> when I start, you know, if I do a talk about sleep, that's the first thing people say. It's like, is it like if it's like brushing your teeth before bed? Wow, I was just being a jerk. No. Wow. Sorry, guys. It's all it's all good. I apologize to the people who thought that it was really about brushing your teeth before bed. I mean, you should do that too. Oh, yeah. Just a normal hygiene. That's a that's a good practice to have. Yes, that's a good practice to have. Um, So some questions to ask yourself if you think you might be sleep deprived or if you think your partner might be sleep deprived and they're cranky about it. (laughs) First question is, do you feel irritable or sleepy during the day? If you have difficulty staying awake, if you're sitting still reading or watching television, you might be sleep deprived. If you fall asleep or feel tired when you're driving, have difficulty concentrating. If you often get told by others that you look tired, (laughs) that's a sign that you might be (laughs) severely sleep deprived. Uh, If you tend to react slowly, again, like I said, impaired judgment. If you feel like you have to take a nap most days just to get through the day. And if you require caffeine to keep you going. Mm -hmm. So So those are some signs. Yeah. So those are some, some things to ask yourself or things to be on the lookout for. So I always will joke and I say caffeine while I love a good cup of coffee, it can be a little bit of a drug in a mug. So it can make us think that we're not hungry. It can also kind of push us through these periods when we should be tired and sleepy, but mm-hmm. tries to uh, tries to fool us. Caffeine, the enemy. 
I know. The enemy is sleep. Now, sleep is our friend. No, caffeine is the enemy of sleep. Okay. Yes. And that is one of the many reasons and recommendations of not having caffeine late in the day because it can Mm -hmm. impact your sleep. But let's, uh, let's, we'll come back to caffeine and let's actually talk about how sleep and relationships. Okay. Now we're going to get good. This is getting, hey, skip to this part of the podcast. This is where it gets good, people. Right here. This is where you're going to hear some things going back and forth now. Oh, that sounds like a soundbite. Oh, yeah. Riley, pull that one out. That's a soundbite. <laughs> All right. So there is actually an article on my blog. It was uh, written for my blog by the Tuck Sleep Foundation. And, and they, they wrote, it says, how sleep affects our health and relationships. And when it comes to relationships, a lot of couples can fall into a lot. Of it has to do with like that whole irritability factor of not being not sleeping well and making poor decisions. Um, what they found is that a lot of fights can happen among couples if there's a lot of sleepless nights being being had. What's interesting is that if we build up things in our head due to lack of sleep. So if you fear that you're going to have a fight with with your your partner, uh, what they eventually say is that if you have a continued lack of sleep, eventually that just like is going to manifest itself and you're going to have a fight because you You've told yourself you can't sleep because you think you're going to have a fight and then you finally have a fight. Sleep deprivation induced fights. Yes. Sleep deprivation induced fights. You heard it here first. Yes. So a fun acronym that I've heard, it's called HALT. Okay. Which means if you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, don't do anything. Which means like, don't try to pick a fight with your partner or don't make an irrational decision about your relationship or things at work. All right. So go through that again. Hungry. I get that. Hungry. Yeah. Angry. Angry. Okay. Yeah. Lonely. Well, okay. That's the one I need clarification on. So you're talking about- I didn't make the acronym up. Let me be very clear. Okay. But like explain it to me though, because I don't understand. Like you, you said with your partner, right? Um, so then explain the feelings of loneliness- with your partner, like while you're simultaneously with a partner? Um, again, I didn't make the acronym up, but my assumption is when they say lonely, it's that for whatever reason, you feel that you can't talk to your partner about something, or maybe you don't have like a friend or something you can you can talk to something about with, or you don't think they'll understand okay. what you're going through. I'll buy it. Then you might feel a little, a little isolated and lonely in that respect. And, you know, you think about when you hold things in that they start to, to master, um, to, to fester and then manifest itself until it's like, okay, I'll buy your explanation of it, but I'll also offer the alternative, just hat. If you don't like the L in halt, just take it out. Hat. Don't do anything. Don't have a fight when you're hungry, angry, or tired. That's a good rule for yeah. marriage. Yeah. And then lonely, if you want to throw that into mm-hmm. health wise, they also research has shown that when we are in a uh, sleep deprived situation and very stressed, our inflammatory markers tend to increase. So things like higher cortisol levels, which is our stress hormone, tend to go into overdrive. So that starts to impact our health, our weight, even choices that we make. And um, believe it or not, they have found that when couples have good, well-rested sleep and they're more calm and controlled, they actually can have more productive conversations. Yeah. Oh my God. Who would Who would have guessed? Believe it or not. So we've referenced this already, but yes, partners have different sleep habits. Mm-hmm. 
And yes, I will admit I am the late comer. So I like to be up late. For some reason, I find I get my best work done later at night. I just, no one's bothering me. I'm not getting emails. I can, I can just bang things out and I get into a zone. Unfortunately, sometimes that zone makes me tired because it's one, two o'clock in the morning and I have to go to bed. Taco is much more disciplined and it could be 10, 11 o'clock at night. He's like, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. That's it. I think it also, for me, we've talked about kind of my eating habits and how like I'm a machine about what time of day I eat. Oh no, you're again, circadian rhythm. Like you're very regimented on your schedule. And I also find that like the less I have to think about things like that, then the more I can think about other things. Right. So if I don't think, what time of day am I going to go to sleep tonight? Uh, Either when I get tired or by a certain time, what time am I going to get up in the morning? I don't even think about it. A lot of times I wake up before my alarm clock goes off. That's just because like my, like it's all part of like what I've done over the years with just doing things at the same time, having similar, like the not breaking habits and things or forming the habits and then like just not breaking them. Now you could say, okay, well, you're a real mean, angry person when you don't get enough sleep, which isn't true. Or there, there's some other side effect. Like I'm, I look tired or I, uh, you know, I'm making some of the bad decisions or whatever it is. Right. If I break the habits and I don't get the sleep, but you know what? I'm a machine when I'm in that zone, when I'm like continuously going to bed around the same time, waking up at the same time, eating at the same time, going to the gym at the same time, like in that kind of routine, most days out of the week. Right. You're less stressed, more productive. Totally. Well, from being on a... Maybe you could learn a little something from that. Yes. (laughs) So continue. So let's talk more about how, uh, how this can impact relationships. Yes, differing sleep habits. So that's one factor. You know, habit-wise, I mentioned I'm a I'm a TV watcher. I like to watch the TV. Taco's not into it. I did at least get him to have a TV in the bedroom, but I have to ask permission when I can watch it well, before yeah, bed. Uh, I, I always had a TV in the bedroom too, even before we moved in together. And I was a, I, I mean, my, I'm going to bed earlier now, um, I guess, than I did before. Well, you're old. Oh, thanks. Thanks yeah. for the clarification on yeah. that. But I used to like stay up and watch Letterman and I, and maybe I would watch the first half hour and fall asleep during the second half hour or something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to explain very specifically what dry or dr- doesn't drive me crazy anymore. It will, if you do it again, but what would happen is I would be sound asleep. You would come into the room, turn the TV on to fall asleep to the TV, but wake me up. I'm not yelling at my wife. I'm just getting animated and passionate. But, and we've had this so clearly we before. we have had communication yes. in a calming, well rested environment and spoken about this or not so much but in the morning where I'm like, what the hell are are you fucking crazy? So okay, so what was the the big realization was when for work you guys were doing the um that challenge and wearing the Fitbit yeah, things, right? And you like start coming to me. You're like, look at my sleep. You know what happened when this big spike happened? You came to bed. Yeah. And you woke me up and my sleep went all wonky. Right. And simultaneously, I hated wearing that thing, but that was probably the one good thing that came out of it. But also it so uh, for people who don't know, like, you know, the the step counters, you know, some a lot of them can track your sleep, too, and things like that. And um, I don't wear one. I don't wear a watch that tracks sleep or steps or anything like that. I just don't I'm not a particular fan, nor do I believe in them for me. I'm already on a pretty regimented schedule. I like I don't need a watch or a step counter to tell me I haven't walked enough steps mm. or I haven't had enough sleep. You know what? I'll know it 
by my own, how I feel and my own performance. So I, that it's not for me. If it works for you or works for other people, that's fine. But like one of the things I didn't like about it was like, again, I'm a big believer in you get enough sleep if you feel like you've gotten enough sleep and you can demonstrate that, right? So I, I know that I don't always get enough sleep. I'm not, uh, I'm not pretending to be perfect when it comes to that. In fact, a lot of times I would say I average about six hours of sleep at night. And a lot of times I can function on six hours of sleep. Now, function can some days mean you would never know. Like uh, on six hours, I'm performing at my peak still. What I do realize in my own sleep habits is if I do multiple nights in a row of six hours or less, then at some point there is a drop off or a decline. And so this watch or this step counter kept on telling me, don't you, you need more sleep. You should go to bed earlier. And basically I took the thing off and threw it away. And I was like, don't tell me what to do. If I feel fine, if I'm still performing well, I don't care what this stupid thing says, right? But maybe, you know, I, I, I get the structure of it. I get how it's helpful for other people. It's just not for me. So yes, that is one of the good things that came out of that was because then I had something that I could, I had the app and I could look at it and go, oh, no wonder I feel like crap today. When you came in at two o'clock in the morning and watched TV for a half hour, guess what I wasn't doing? Sleeping. So that yeah, was so a that big... Was, that was a big eye-opening experience. So not to, I'm not derailing the subject, but because we've talked about your traveling and, and how you mm -hmm. travel all over. Have you found that since you've been doing a lot more intense traveling over the last what, two years now, mm -hmm. how has that impacted your sleep? It, 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 like no matter what, I, I work with some people or I know some people who will tell you like it doesn't impact them or anything like that. And I'll tell you, uh, maybe it doesn't. Maybe they really believe that. I'm in pretty good shape. I have pretty solid habits. And I'll tell you, it, it impacts you. And I, how I would characterize what I've been able to do is I've gotten really good at running on fumes, right? I can, I can get through a day with just a few hours of sleep, but maybe going- How much coffee? I'm not saying coffee is not involved, but it's only involved in the, in the beginning of the day. It's never involved at the end of the day. And uh, I, I can go for 20, 30 hours straight, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but like when you're you know, going from one time zone to the other and, and you land- and you've kind of been up for 10 hours or like you could easily get there. So it, it, it does. I do. I have tricks and things that I've tried to help myself get on the local time more quickly. And sometimes it includes going for 30 hours straight. Sometimes it includes like, all right, if I, if I'm not falling asleep very well at night. And so this is something that has happened a few times and I've documented maybe on this podcast, but I've certainly documented it in social media where I've gone to the I like hotels with the 24-hour gyms. I've gone to the hotel gym at like four o'clock in the morning um, because I've acknowledged that I woke up at three. I've tossed and turned for an hour. This is clearly not leading to someplace where uh, I can, I'm, I'm going to get any productive sleep. So I may as well do something else that's beneficial. And maybe I'll get back to the room around five and get a couple hours of sleep or something before getting ready for the day and, and going back out and about. Or I'll just power through. And then basically I've been up since three and I won't get, I won't get to bed until 10 o'clock the next night or 11 o'clock the next night or midnight the next night. And so like, but by the time I do get to bed, I'm so tired. I'm pretty much guaranteed I'm sleeping through the night that next night. So it, it does tra like traveling and, and it can go 14 time zones away, right? Which is uh, one of the trips I have upcoming. 
I remember the last time I did that. It was like, I remember standing up in the middle of a conference room and being so exhausted. I thought I was going to pass out standing up. So it definitely has impacted me. And when you experience things like that, I think you then start looking for, okay, how, how do I manage this better? Because maybe I didn't manage it that well. And so caffeine being one of them. Yeah. Okay. In the, in the, in the beginning of the day, definitely. Like I always, almost always when I'm traveling, start the day with breakfast and a cup of coffee, just because that's what I feel like it's part of my routine. <clears throat> and, and, you're I feel, a routine guy. Uh, and I feel like it might be part like something that's helpful at that point, but I would not have coffee or caffeine after a certain point in the day, because I just don't think it's productive anymore. And I think it's actually counterproductive. Right. So it's had a huge impact. And, and, and there, there's also been times where I've come back from a trip and, and you know, this very well, where like, I might sleep like a log, you know, for the first night or two that I come home, but something's happened to me a couple of times where like a week later, like I've, I've slept fine for like four or five days, but something happens like a week later where like there's one random night where I wake up at home at three o'clock in the morning and I just can't get back to sleep. And so like, I kind of do the same thing that I do on the road. Right. I jump on my lap. Yeah. There's times I've, I've rolled over in the middle of the night and you're not in yeah. the bed. So right. I, at this point, I, I sometimes assume that you're either doing work or you've gone to another one of our guest rooms and Pat tried to sleep, tried to sleep elsewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause like, I'm, you know, I under, like, I look at how your sleep impacts my sleep and I don't want to be a hypocrite about that. So if I'm tossing and turning in the middle of the night and you seem to be sleeping okay, or maybe not, maybe I notice you're tossing and turning, then I might go to the other room and just go, okay, let me try to sleep over here instead. Or I'll do what I do on the road and I fire up the laptop and there's always somebody I can find. <laughs> there's always somebody I can talk to when you work with people around the world that uh, is also awake <laughs> at the same time. Um, so I could always find things uh, to keep me busy. And, and what a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just keep doing that until I get tired um, or until I'm like, okay, I'm falling asleep doing this. So I'll probably just fall asleep if I actually just lay down and go to sleep. So you could argue whether or not I've managed the sleep well or not. Um, and like, I've got other tricks that I use and, you know, you gave me some liquid melatonin. Uh, that stuff is the best. I have to give it, they're not even like Sponsor nothing to do with the show, but life extensions, melatonin drops are just the bomb. So I obviously you feel very strongly about it and it, was, it has worked for you. I have yet to, I've used it several times and I have yet to feel as strongly about it as you do. I have like other, like Benadryl is basically one of my tricks, right? Um, right. I you know, know you're, I, you're a Benadryl and, and pass out person yeah. and that, that doesn't work for me. Right. And, and, but like a lot of people have the problem when they take something like that, where they are really groggy the next day. And I can, I can actually, like, if I get six solid hours on Benadryl, I wake up, I'm like, okay, I feel great. That's what works for me. That doesn't necessarily work for everybody else. And like powering through a day where I'm up for 20 to 30 hours straight, probably not a great idea, but that I found that like, I will get quality sleep after I do something like that. And so like, these are the things that I've tried to do, but it definitely impacts your ability to function. And I, I know I'm not pretending that I'm working uh, at hundred percent capacity, but I've figured out how I can run on fumes when I need to. And that's something recommended to do all the time. No, not all the time. Definitely. And not for everybody. If what I'm saying sounds absolutely batshit crazy to you or sounds awful, then you shouldn't do it. Um, or you just shouldn't be in a position where you're going to be traveling right. all around the world. Exactly. 
and, and in doing, different time zones and long flights. Right. You know, break it up, make a connection, spend a couple of days somewhere halfway in between what, you know, especially if you're doing it for fun. So you can debate whether or not what I'm doing is working or is, is, well, as well. But one way, what I will admit to is it, it affects me. Yeah. And not even that, but like, okay, so you're in one position where your work has a lot of travel, but I've gone on site and worked with people who work third shift mm. and they're working overnight. So it's number one, helping them figure out an eating schedule that works with their, their work, the work life balance, essentially where they're working during the hours where, you know, most of us are sleeping, but then they're only fitting in They're They're not fitting in seven hours of sleep between Mm -hmm. when they get home and when they have to go back to work because there's family time. There's time where, you know, people want to eat. They might have some things to do. So it's fitting that element in of, you know, that's their, that's your job. So you you can't be running on fumes. Well, it's not natural. And especially because most people in those positions are usually working in things where you have to be alert. So yeah. medical professionals, doctors, mm-hmm. nurses, people who work uh, like- uh, Plant workers. Plant work, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I remember one of the, the electrical company I was at, mm-hmm. where they're driving vehicles and they're going up in uh, cranes and buckets yeah. and, and fixing things. So you can't be running on fumes. Yeah, and you, <clears throat> and you talked, yeah, when I run on fumes, nobody's in physical harm. Maybe I just like can't form a sentence or something like that. Yeah, you mentioned the circadian rhythms. It's not natural to work the third shift. It's not natural to be a hundred percent between certain hours of the day and then like try to sleep during the daytime. Right. If you can even try to do that. Right. Or I've had clients or even, you know, one of my best friends is a is a nurse and you know, she'd work these these long shifts and then have off, you know, one or two days in a row mm-hmm. and basically just sleep. Yeah. That whole time. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it's hard. It's hard in your body. Yeah. So first of all, shout out to the people who do work third shift jobs because it's tough. You're, you're doing it. For sure. So Taco, anything else as far as how, you know, partners can impact each other's sleep habits? Well, if there's any awareness, um, maybe people aren't aware of how their own sleep habits impact their partner's sleep habits. So we talked about sleep awareness week. People are aware of sleep, right? But like, what are you not aware of? And maybe how you're impacting somebody else is one of those things. So one of the things I was uh, was going to talk about, and fortunately, it it's, doesn't impact either of us in our household, but there are people that are impacted by things like sleep apnea, mm-hmm. where you have a partner who doesn't sleep well, or now they have to wear like a, a CPAP or a BiPAP. So as the partner, I'd like I have a lot of clients I've worked with over the years and they, they hate wearing their CPAP because they find it annoying. Their partner hates it or their partner goes sleeps in another room. Mm-hmm. So then that impacts their, their time together. We didn't talk about it, snoring even mm-hmm. can, can influence things. And there's definitely nights. And I will say it's usually the nights that you have drank heavily. I would never. Where your snoring can be a little bit on the loud side. And this is preposterous. My strategy, which apparently is not the right one, is I just hold my, I just squeeze Taco's nose until he wakes up and realizes that he's been snoring. And I say, stop. The first time I woke up with your hand over my nose, I nearly threw you off of the bed. So no, that's not the right strategy. So now I try and like tickle, I like try and tickle you. I'm like, you're snoring, you're snoring. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. See, so you don't need to suffocate. Now, fun fact there, I forget which, which the essential oil is. Maybe it's lavender. One of the essential oils, I think it's lavender. If you like put it on your big toe, it's supposed to help with snoring. Not into it. So if you feel me putting something. <laughs> rubbing my feet. Oily on your toes in the middle of the night. You're going to give me a foot rub in the middle of the night? Yeah, sure. I'm down with that. That's, yeah. Let's do that. But yeah. Otherwise, not really into it. Yeah. So snoring. Yay. I wouldn't know anything about that. Fortunately, that that is only a one sided argument. <laughs> well, you know, you took you took you took your shots uh, from me on this one so far. So I guess it's only fair that I get a couple shots back. Yeah. All right. And um, finally, when it comes to couples and sleep, there has actually been a lot of research in the area of how sex impacts sleep. So it's actually twofolded. Ooh. I know. Spicy. Now we're getting into things. So spicy here right now. Yeah. So sex and sleep. And uh, I remember reading somewhere like, yes, the bedrooms are for two things, sex and sleep. Yes. Hallelujah. But what they've shown is that they actually impact each other. So on the negative end, poor sleep leads to no sex or poor sex because you're tired, you're stressed, and that can lead to things like low sex drive, erectile dysfunction, and just lack of interest. But on the flip side, what they have found is that sex can actually have a positive impact on sleep. And they, they recommend to have sex right before you plan to go to bed because that's really the best time that you're going to get the, the deepest sleep benefits as a result. Mm-hmm. And science does play a role in this. Science. Science. It's scientifically we're make, proven. We're making science sexy. You heard it here on Nutrition Nuptials. You should have sex before sleep. Yes. Have and, sex before bed. Yes, that is true. So you want to have sex before. And I'm going to post in the show notes like a whole bunch of research articles that like go into detail why this is the case and why it's it's good for your relationship. It's good for the relationship, but it's also good for your own sleep habits. So when you have sex, you release endorphins. So that helps to uh, decrease your anxiety and makes it more relaxing. We release a hormone called oxytocin. Not to be confused with Oxycontin, which is not a hormone and something you should not be taking to try and go to sleep, um, but oxytocin, which is a what they call the love hormone. Um, and that actually kind of acts like a sedative to help you um, kind of fall into a deeper sleep pattern. It also helps to decrease your cortisol or stress hormone levels. And when you have an orgasm, you release a hormone called prolactin, which makes you feel very relaxed and sleepy. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't care about the science and find that all boring, just do it because it's fun. Have sex before bed because it's fun. And if nothing else, you get a little workout in and then you fall asleep. There you go. We're in. You heard it here first. And it also helps to increase intimacy, obviously. But then, like, you know, you get that, like, post-cuddling and then you just oh, kind of pass out. you're supposed to cuddle afterwards? I, I'm sure there's a scientific explanation why that's recommended, too, but I won't bore you with it. <laughs> Do it because it's fun. I feel like that should be a t-shirt. What else you got? Food. All right. Food. What about it? So there are foods that can help to make you feel a little bit more sleepy. Okay. Tryptophan. So tryptophan is a thing. Tryptophan is an amino acid, which then eventually leads to production of a hormone called serotonin, which eventually leads to production of melatonin, which is our sleep-wake hormone. Mm Mm-hmm. So tryptophan actually plays a huge role in our sleep. However, the common misnomer is the reason that we fall asleep on Thanksgiving is because turkey has tryptophan. False. 
That is false. Do you know why? Do I know why it's false? Yes. Well, because the levels of tryptophan are really low in Turkey, uh, number one. And number two, it has nothing to do with the tryptophan. It has to do with the fact that you ate so much freaking food. Your body's like kind of going into like a shutdown or something. Yes and no. Yes. <laughs> I vote yes. Tryptophan, as I said, it's an amino acid. It competes with a lot of other amino acids to get to the brains because, like I said, tryptophan is what helps to stimulate a gland in your brain called the pineal gland that helps to release your serotonin and melatonin when we eat carbohydrates. So when we eat carbohydrates, carbohydrates actually help to get tryptophan to the brain. Mm-hmm. So they kind of almost act like a, like a shuttle or an express lane mm-hmm. to the brain when we have carbohydrates. And then that helps to stimulate production of our, our serotonin or convert uh, tryptophan to serotonin, I should say. So on Thanksgiving, what accompanies our turkey? Well, it depends on who you ask, but it's probably dressing or stuffing is number one. Mashed potatoes. There's a lot of carbs. There's a lot of carbs on Thanksgiving. So that elevated level of carbohydrates is actually what is causing you to feel so sleepy after Thanksgiving. Not the tryptophan. Not the, well, not the turkey. I mean, it's, it's helping, but it's just because it's these like mass quantities of carbohydrates that are actually leading us to feel sleepy, which is actually why if you do feel you have trouble falling asleep at night, one of the things that they do recommend before bed is to have a little something carby like a bowl of cereal Mm -hmm. because that can actually help to stimulate production of uh, serotonin. All right. Other great sources of tryptophan that you can have before bed, uh, nuts like walnuts, almonds are good to have. You can also have a glass of milk. Um, So any kind of the um, protein foods or dairy food, dairy especially is very high in tryptophan. So milk, cottage cheese, yogurt, those are all really great to have before going to bedtime. Another one is uh, tart cherry juice, which I think is becoming a little bit more well-known and and popular as a sleep aid. Mm. So the tart cherry juice actually helps to boost levels of melatonin. So serotonin makes melatonin. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So, so again, tryptophan, serotonin, melatonin. melatonin. Got it. So cherry juice is kind of like that. It's, it's like taking the melatonin drops. That don't really work for me. That don't work for you, but tastes like cherry juice. Okay. So that's a nice thing to have. Actually, I have a, um, actually I have a cherry smoothie bowl recipe on the website that I'll, I'll post. So you can have that as a little pre-bedtime snack. Mm-hmm going to bed. Um, bananas actually can help you sleep because they have national, uh, the natural muscle relaxants found in magnesium and potassium. Also, they're carby. Mm-hmm. Tuna, again, another protein food that is really high in tryptophan that can help to reduce that. Uh, chamomile tea. So chamomile helps with increasing glycine, which is a chemical that relaxes our nerves and muscles and also acts like a sedative. So if you can't have sex, have chamomile tea. Sleepy time tea. And that's why we have sleepy time tea. A spoonful of honey. Again, number one, it's carby. Um, It also helps to promote the the tryptophan into the brain. Um, And it helps the medicine. So you can have, it helps the medicine go down. You can have honey uh, with your chamomile tea. Ooh, double down. Right? Totally. Chickpeas are a plant-based source of protein. So if you don't eat a lot of meat or or fish products. You can get it from hummus, beans and hummus. Yep. Uh, Leafy greens, leafy greens like kale and lettuce also have some sedative properties. I will not be eating any of that before bed. No pre-bed salad. (laughs) I'd rather have the pre-bed sex. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Now, some things that you want to avoid having from a food perspective before you go to bed. We talked about this already, but you want to avoid sources of caffeine because that can make you feel kind of sleepy. Also, big, big meals because then you just eat a big meal and it sits in your belly and then you have food mares, (laughs) as we call them. That's not taco terminology. But we should make it. (laughs) Cue the music. Taco, tell us what are food mares? Food mares are basically uh, late night eating that induces bad sleep patterns or, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and having a tummy ache and, you know, feeling gross the next morning after only a few hours of sleep, things like that. So your late night burritos after a night of drinking back in the day. Oh, man. Our friends used to go to town on cheesesteaks and things like that, like the mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. And things like that. And like every time people would wake up. Oh, we had a house of food mares. Yeah. And there was like even like leftover food like left around from the night before because people didn't even finish what they had. No. Yeah. It got gross. Yeah. So food mares will impact your sleep. There you go. That's why you want to avoid spicy foods before bed, big meals before bed caffeine, basically anything fun other than sex. So basically the moral of the story, the whole takeaway from this episode, get crazy before bed, get a little nuts, alcohol. So while it will help you fall asleep, it doesn't help you to stay asleep. Right. Yeah. So you're taking away all the fun things except for one. Right. And smoking also has the same effect as alcohol. So while it might make you sleepy and relaxed, it will make you wake up later. Okay, so I'm getting back to the main point again. There's only one logical conclusion to this whole podcast so far. Have sex, sleep better? Yes. Hashtag? (laughs) That's not a sexy hashtag. We'll think of something better and put it in the show notes. Okay, that's your job, Taco. All right. So if uh, maybe getting nasty, according to Taco, isn't in your... Nasty. What? What, Is that what you're thinking? Getting fun. Okay. It's it's, it's fun. So uh, maybe if getting fun... Isn't an option for you for some nights with your with your partner to have a better sleep experience. There are some other physical activities that you can do before bed. Yoga actually is a great activity to do before bed. So some calming yoga poses, breathing, meditation, restorative yoga also can help stop. Why are you giggling? Because <laughs> I was going to say, don't do tantric yoga. <laughs> Can you do tantric yoga before bed? I guess that goes back to the whole sleep. But then you're not going to sleep. <laughs> right. That's why I was getting the irony. Yeah. Sorry. Yoga. Restorative yoga. Restorative yoga. Restorative yoga. Yes. It's a weird word. You're restoring yourself. Got it. Okay. So yoga poses, um, calming yoga poses, child's pose, easy sit. Uh, forward bends, shavasana. Those are all great things to do. Um, a lot of times I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall asleep. I'll kind of start doing like some like meditation or like some exercises where you kind of like do a little body scan and that kind of helps to like relax the mind. Counting down backwards also helps a lot too. Interesting thing you bring that up because I found that um, on the plane, there's this whole section of meditation 
that's basically meant to help you fall asleep. And some of the things that you just talked about are in there. So like they'll have that soothing voice, either male or female soothing voice that tells you to like clear your mind, count backwards, and then start doing the body scan stuff. Like, oh, feel... Yeah, you know, start down your, at your toes. Your body or and, your head, yep. whatever, and like feel the relaxation, start to go through your arms and your legs and all that stuff. So interesting that you bring it up because that they put that on the plane. Yeah. Fun fact. Yeah. So good to know that that the plane. Um, there's also really, there's good apps too for that as mm-hmm. well. well. We'll put some links to some apps that you might want to check out in the show notes to help you with, with that and, and relaxing. Also, not that you want to do intense, strenuous physical activity before going to bed, because that actually stimulates you and makes you more awake and alert. Um, but doing activity that helps to build muscle is actually really helpful for sleep because muscle can actually uh, help you fall asleep faster and have a more steady sleep patterns. So what kind of like... Give me an example. What am I doing? Like you said, strength, tra- strength training exercises. Right, but you said not to do anything strenuous. So those two things. No, no, no. no. I mean, no, don't do anything like super strenuous, like right before bed, like an hour or two before bed. Okay. So if you're going to do something, you know, in the morning or late afternoon, but like. So do strength training throughout the day, just not before bed. Right. Like I know some people that are like, they do like a bunch of push-ups before they go to bed, which is actually counterproductive because you're getting the heart rate going and now you're less likely to to sleep. Cardiovascular activity done earlier in the day also can help with uh, setting out sleep cycles as well. Cool. Well, then that explains why I'm such a machine when it comes to sleep and eat. Yes. Okay. So we talked about how sleep impacts our health, our weight, our relationships, food and exercise that can help us with sleep. So I want to just discuss some common sleep tips. And I, w- I want to just hear some input and what, what you think about them. Where are these tips? I need to know who are they? Uh, so these tips were given to me. by I think this was also from the Tuck Sleep Foundation okay. um, on the post that they did on my website. I've so. never heard of them, but they sound incredible. I mean, they have foundation in the name. Well, yeah, I, I'll have the Taco Foundation. That doesn't make me credible. All right. Let's and these go. are a lot of tips too you see on the National Sleep Foundation's website as well. Okay, okay. so tip number one is um, recommended to sleep in a slightly cool, dark, and quiet room. Dark, quiet, definitely. I've heard the cool part too, and I do think there's probably something to that. But I will say though, I hate waking up in a cold room. Like if you have to get up in the middle of the night. Oh no, it's terrible. Like when you wake up at first thing. So that one's kind of hard for me. Yeah, I think I think the slight the slightly cool factor has to do with the fact that as you as you rest and and sleep, like I, I think because your body temperature tends to drop a little bit because you're not mm-hmm. moving as much. I think the thought is if you're in like a warm room and you have blankets and all this on that you start to get uncomfortable and then you can think about the fact that you're uncomfortable and you're mm-hmm. not going to sleep and relax okay. as well. Got it. Also, too. We we do it more now. I I didn't grow up in a in a house where like we were encouraged to have the windows open at mm-hmm. night, but we've done that especially when we lived a little closer to the beach. I always found that so relaxing. Uh, yeah, that's why I would do it, and I would introduce you to my way of sleeping. Like let's op- open some windows and get some fresh air in here and listen to the ocean waves and even on a cool breezy night in the summertime. Yeah, pretty, so pretty freaking nice. Yeah, that was that was pretty nice. And we can do that here too. It's just like a lot more windows and yeah, 
a little more involved. And then like, I don't know, somehow there's more, I don't know, there's dogs barking here more or something. I don't know. There's, there's, there's a little bit more, more of a noise factor here. Makes it not quite as comfortable as like the ocean breezes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So second recommendation, invest in a comfortable mattress. Okay. Yeah. I believe that to be everybody's definition of what a comfortable mattress is though. I don't even think you and I are really on the same page on this. No. So, okay. So are you more, uh, do you want firm or do you like soft? I think I like firm, but then like I sleep occasionally on a soft bed and I'm like, oh, this is really nice and comfortable. So yeah, I, I like, I like a soft bed. Like I, I want to be on a marshmallow. Mm-hmm. There are actually, there's a link and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes too, that um, it was on the Tuck Sleep Foundation's website of like hundreds of different mattresses to look at for whatever condition. So if you have acid reflux, these are mattresses to look at. If you're a side sleeper, these are mattresses to look at. A hundred still sounds like too many. It's a lot of mattresses. Hey, I just want to go lay down the mattress, see what feels good. Okay. I can do that. That's what I want to do. Um, Actually, so fun fact that has not as much to do about mattresses, but I had talked to one of my chiropractor friends maybe like a year or so ago, because I was asked, because we always joke about like, what are the most annoying questions that people ask you as a dietitian? What's as a, the best mattress? Well, I asked him, I'm like, you know, what's, what position do you recommend people should be sleeping in mm-hmm. for their spinal alignment? Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's one of the most annoying questions I get. But what is interesting now, so he used- I guess? Okay, yes, guess. Sleeping on your stomach. That now it is. So it used to be sleeping on your back was the more common recommendation because you're on your back and relaxed. But now it's sleeping on your stomach. Do you know why? Yes. Because people are always looking down at their damn cell phones. Yes. So the thought is because you have your chin resting on your pillow, so it helps to um, realign realign the spine based on because we're always looking down and Mm -hmm. uh, chins are tucked into our chest now. So it helps to open up that chin and the throat by having your chin resting on your pillow and the belly onto the mattress. There you go. That's the best position. And if you are in the market for looking at some mattresses, I'm going to post some links to some mattress companies that have been recommended to me by a couple of the chiropractors. Apparently, um, let's talk about some of the cooler ones. Like there's purple on there. No. How about, man, I'm forgetting the name. One of my colleagues, we went to a mattress store in Manhattan. Um, Sleep number? No, oh. no, way cooler than that. You're not cool anymore. I'm not cool. Uh, we'll post it in the show notes. I okay. Um, avocado is one that I've heard a lot mm. about. So number one, they're, they have vegan mattresses, if that's your thing. They're very eco-friendly and non-toxic. I could not roll my eyes any harder right now to a vegan mattress. Sorry. But he's trying. On. But I have been told, I haven't tried them personally. I'm told their pillows are amazing. <laughs> And we have pillow problems in our house. I just cannot find the pillow that works for us. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious. So if you want, you can head on over. I'll um, link to that. Another company called Layla. So with the Layla beds, they're two-sided. One side is soft and one side is firm. I don't know how that works for a couple. <laughs> but I guess, and I also, I that just that seems like a lot of, that personally seems like a lot of work to me of like, oh, tonight I feel like the soft side. Now I gotta like take everything off and flip it. Mm, yeah, that doesn't seem practical. No. Um, and there's another company called Nest that just has um, different layers. They have cooling technology mm-hmm. in it. So if you're looking to, uh, you know, ba- uh, branch out from your traditional beauty rest and sodas, well, those now, are some options to check out. Now that you've proclaimed that we're in the market for a bigger bed and bigger mattress, you better. I've been proclaiming that for like three Christmases. <laughs> 
So now we got to put this to practice. Yes. Agreed. Um, Okay. So comfortable mattress and pillows too also fall into play. All right. Number three, avoid TV and screen time two hours before bedtime um, because the blue lights that our devices have are very um, stimulating to the brain. Now they have the nighttime mode. Still shouldn't have them. The other thing too that I say in every single corporate wellness presentation that I do, do not use your cell phone as your alarm clock. Oops. Do not. Because what happens? You wake up in the middle of the night because you can't. Well, number one, you're using it right before bed. So you already have that light stimulation. Mm. So that's not resting two hours. But then you wake up in the middle of the night because you can't sleep. And what do you do? Some people look at their cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. People roll over. Some people are like scrolling through Facebook and Instagram and, you know, nothing good happens at 3 a.m. on Instagram. Or you're not going (laughs) to. They should be. <laughs> There's a lot of things that should be banned after 3 a.m. Going to the ATM, dialing, calling anyone. Uh, yeah, scrolling through so, social media and uh, commenting. Yeah. You, sh- you shouldn't uh, yeah. be able to comment. Like right. that should just be on like yeah. permanent lockdown from yeah. like 2 to 6 a.m. Yeah. But there's also people too that check emails. And there's okay. nothing worse than going and checking your emails. And now you're all stressed out about some email that somebody sent you late at night or you got a terrible email earlier in the day and you go Mm -hmm. back and read it, which you should never do. So now you're not going to be able to fall asleep because of that. I will say that I like, so here's another example of how you and I are on opposite um, ends of this spectrum. I do use my phone as the alarm clock, but some of the things that you described, like I don't really check it. I'm not scrolling through social media and commenting on things. And I, unless I'm planning to get out of bed and go to my laptop and start working, I would not ever check my my email, but you don't do that, but you like to watch TV before bed. You like some of the other things. So it's interesting. Uh, uh, well, how, like, we're on, we're on opposite ends. Because I will say I got, I had to get out of that habit because I did have terrible habits of waking up in the middle of the night and being on the phone and then, you know, scrolling through things and could not fall asleep. And that's why my phone now charges on the charger downstairs overnight. Mm-hmm. Cause it was just, it was bad. So put one in the Mandy column for not using her phone as an alarm clock. Boop, boop. Yeah. So I use a real alarm clock. My alarm clock took some adjusting to get used to. So when I was on Amazon in the market for a new alarm clock, because my other one crapped out on me, um, I decided to get one that uses, um, it, it's a it's a light that that goes off. So basically this, this light starts to go off about 30 minutes before my alarm is scheduled to go off in the Intention is it's supposed to, again, getting back to the whole circadian rhythm where it's supposed to help to slowly stimulate the brain. I don't even know it, but it's supposed to help to like stimulate the brain. It's supposed to and help me wake daylight. up. Right. It simulates daylight. So it's supposed to help me and my brain like wake up. So by the time my actual alarm goes off, I'm like refreshed and ready to go. There were a few learning experiences with this alarm clock. Number one, I, I was always used to having my clock facing me so I could roll over and see the time. I had to turn the clock in the other direction because I would wake up and this bright white light was staring back at me in my face. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't particularly calming. Mm-hmm. So that was that took some getting used to. And number two. That's really the only the, the only big thing was like the light. I was like, holy shit, this is bright. You know who else that impacted? My loving husband. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have to ask a series. We haven't really, this is one that we haven't really talked about very much. How do you feel it has helped or has it helped your ability to get up in the morning and your sleep patterns? I'm not sure because I love me a snooze button. Uh, also, 
Ugh. you know, with the whole daylight, you know, with, with it's, it's darker. So I, I haven't found it to be particularly helpful on the mornings when it is just like darkness and cold and raining and snowing. So mm. just because it's light. But then there are some mornings where like, I'm like, yeah, I'm up. I'm good. Another thing that we are on opposite ends of the spectrum on. Snoozer. The snooze button. I like I. Uh, There's something about the snooze I button. It's never, just like you feel like you're getting away with something. It's like, I yes, know. I'm going to get just five more minutes. Of you sleep. know what it is? And it, it gets back to my routine thing. Like I need I'm so bad in the morning, like just like I can't function. <laughs> I get better as the day goes on. I get better in the evening and all that. I've never, I've talked about this before. I've never been a morning person. So I need like the routine to be, I, my alarm clock goes off. I jump out of bed and I jump in the shower. I start getting ready for, for, for the day. Right. And like, like, and that the whole, when you, when you first would spend the night at my place and set an alarm or vice versa, I'd be at your place and you would hit the snooze button multiple times in a row. And I wasn't ready to get up yet. That drove me freaking nuts. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that has helped, well, two things that have helped. One is Shiva. So it's helped you. Yes. Now I get up and, and walk her. But even before Shiva, once I started getting in the habit of going to yoga in the morning, yes, I would maybe two snoozes, but then I had to get up. Otherwise, I'd miss class. Mm hmm. So that or was motivating. just set your clock for like 15 minutes later and get up when it goes off. No, because I'll just the snooze stop button. disrupting your partner's sleep. Oh, that's for everybody, not just Mandy. Mm. Yeah, you have some no. think, you have some thinking to do on that one. No. OK. Um, all right. Number four, try and go to bed same time every day, whether or not it's the weekend or during the week. Also waking up at the same time, too. So trying to get into into that habit as well just helps to regulate your circadian rhythm. Um, keep active during the day. So exercise helps you sleep as well as keeping you nice and healthy. Alcohol. So we talked about this as well. So alcohol also recommended to avoid two hours before bedtime because it does um, stimulate you, even if it does make you pass out at some point. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh, snoring. Okay. Number seven, if your partner snores, sleep with earplugs or oh, there's a link to other options. <laughs> I'm going to click on other options because I would like to know what they are. I'm going to see if... Um, Squeezing your partner's nose. You know, I can helps. guarantee you is not on that list. No. Suffocating your partner. Are you sure? Yes. Oh. That is not on the list. I can guarantee you. Mm. Got it. Well, I think what they what they're implying is that if your if your partner does snore really loudly, that eventually should have them get a sleep study and see if they have sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. I, have you ever been an earplug? sleeper ever tried them no and you know what they give them to you on the airplanes too and um well i use noise canceling headphones <laughs> i that's kind of i guess my moral equivalent of the earplugs but no i mean i i don't i tried I mean, them i could understand once and i don't know why it may be even because you were just snoring so loudly and i think i found them in one of your airplane bags and i was mm. like sweet um i found them horribly uncomfortable so then i i was more uncomfortable from these right. earplugs in my ears yeah than I was from, from you snoring. snoring, yeah. I could see, like, I, I mean, if you live in an urban area and you're one of those sh third shift workers that we talked about, like, I could totally see the need to, like, sleep with uh, earplugs in or something like that. Oh, yeah, that. and, um, and the mask. Eye, eye mask, yeah. the, the whole nine, but not for me. Yeah, everyone's going to have their way of getting comfortable and able to sleep. Mm -hmm. um, okay, and the last recommendation for sleeping is finding 
some mindful meditation practices, maybe trying it with your partner. Um, but also, you know, anything that you can do to help you unwind that doesn't involve technology is usually recommended. So mm-hmm. I don't know if coloring books are still like a, a thing, but like when coloring books have their the resurgence. Kid, the kids, the kids, I don't mean like children. I mean, like, you know, the young adults. Right. Are like coloring for like. Like coloring for meditation. Yeah. Take a bath or a shower, which is just good practice. Again, getting back to the hygiene part of sleep hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking a calming bath, uh, listening to soft music, aromatherapy, so essential oils to help with with relaxation, talking to your partner, unwinding that way. Mm-hmm. Except if your partner's already asleep. Yeah, then it's Don't defeats- freaking wake them up and talk to them. Can I ask a question? So, yes. uh, two questions. Yes. Um, because meditation. So like, I think that is like, I think certain, like a lot of people probably get a very specific idea of what a meditation really looks like. And it probably doesn't have to be as complicated or as involved as it seems. Correct. Yes. So when I do meditation at my corporate wellness sites, I always start off and I joke, I'm like, okay, so are most of you who are here to do meditation for the first time? Are you picturing like sitting in a uncomfortable cross-legged position just saying ohm for the next 30 minutes mm-hmm. and farther i'm like there's at least one Everybody, person that's everybody's like, laughing yeah yeah but they laugh and i'm like yeah because yeah, that's what most perception is is like you think of like the buddha being up on the mountaintop and oming and quiet and you know being isolated and alone not talking to anyone really all meditation is it's a calming of the mind and you can do that anywhere don't do it while driving <laughs> That is my one disclaimer. But even if you're sitting at your desk at work and you can take a minute or two to just close the eyes and take some deep breaths, that is going to make a big difference in your day. A lot of us don't breathe very well. Mm -hmm. And this actually is another thing that can impact our, our relaxation and our stress levels and even how our brain functions is because we take very shallow breaths as a result of being very stressed out all the time. We're not getting enough oxygen into our, our body. So our blood isn't flowing as appropriately. Um, so we have higher stress levels. Our cortisol levels are, are increased and we're not able to, you know, relax as well as, as we should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So thank you. Cause you're I welcome. like, as somebody who's not a heavy meditator, like you're right. Like I think the perception is that uh, it's a lot of oming and kind of this, you know, thing that like, take some, but it sounds like it could be a lot easier. No, it, it doesn't have to be, a, you know, as, as scary as people think. Like, I think the thing with ohm is it's a very, it's calming. It's a calming so, tone. Yeah, it's sound, a calming right? sound. So if you just constantly say it over and over again, like your mind is going to get mm-hmm. very relaxed. You're going to kind of get into this state of not really aware of what's around you. And that's not a bad thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's just bringing your awareness more internally. Right. And so in uh, our last episode, we talked about how it seems like the germaphobes are always the ones who are getting sick. Another observation I have is that people who use like, or who are like, I've got the aromatherapy and I've got the calming music and I got this and that and the other, like they have all this stuff, yet they're the ones who are having a hard time sleeping. And stressed, yeah. Right. So maybe, maybe what they aren't actually addressing is the stress. Correct. Mm, interesting. You know, or... They're trying to find the way that helps them to address it best, but I've they're seen- so stressed about finding the way to <laughs> overcome stress that it's not working. No, and well. I only know that I'm not. I only know this because people post about it on social media. It's like here's all the things I'm doing for sleep, and uh, I never get any sleep. 
You know what they should do? They should get their partner to give them a relaxing massage with those essential oils. Yeah, but they have to go to bed at the same time. So you're SOL on that one. (sighs) Yeah, I'm not waking up in the middle of the night to rub your feet. Sorry. You're already disrupting my sleep enough. Man. I know. Tough love. Let's. Okay. So any other tips? Limit napping. I like a good nap. You, you're a nap. I'm, I, so that's one thing. I've never been a napper. Mm-hmm. Even in college, I was always so worried about missing class mm. that I just, I couldn't relax enough to, to fall asleep to take a nap. And I just, I never got into it. Like, you know who's if, if I'm good, up, I'm up. You know who's a good nap buddy? Shiva. Shiva's a great nap buddy. Saturday afternoon, you're what, sitting on the couch, get a little sleepy. She'll curl up right next to you. Boom. Nap buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Limit yeah. that. Um, and the last thing, and we, and we talked about this a little bit with the, with the cell phone too, is just um, overall bringing work to bed. So try not to bring the laptops. Bring and, fun and to things. bed. Bring fun to bed. Don't bring work to bed. Don't bring work to bed. Don't bring work to bed. Don't bring your stress to bed. Don't bring anger to bed. That's always a common thing is as a couple, don't fall asleep angry. Mm-hmm. Bring fun to bed. And bring fun it's to bed. It's like the whole theme of this entire podcast. Mm-hmm. Today's episode. Thanks, Taco. There you go. Summed up in a nutshell. Yep. Bringing it back. Where'd it go? Uh, well, you know, we kind of got on to other topics. Uh-huh. All right, folks. So again, help us learn a little bit more about what some other couples and their sleep habits are like. Because if you're in sync, that's amazing. We'd love to meet the unicorns out there that are couples perfectly in sync with their sleep habits. If you are a couple and you guys differ in your sleep habits, we definitely want to hear them. So head on over to our Facebook page, Nutrition Nuptials VIP After Party, to tell us a little bit about you know your sleep habits, what works, what doesn't work, and what irks you. And uh, if you don't want your partner to see what you put on Facebook, <laughs> send us an email, podcast at nutritionnuptials.com, and you can uh, tell us there, and we'll anonymously share what you uh, have to tell us. Um, if you and your significant other have a story to tell us about how you're living your best life ever, we would love to hear from you. We're always looking for people to feature on our Instagram, on the blog. And if you want to join us for a double date here on the podcast, we would love to have you. You can shoot us an email at podcast at nutrition and tell us how you're living your best life ever and how we can help share your story. Do it. If you're enjoying the podcast and you want to, um, number one, tell us how you're digging the podcast, you can head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and drop us a rating and a review. We love five stars. It's our favorite number. A rating also helps. And again, you can tell us what works. And uh, if your partner's on iTunes, you can you can tell us there what, what they do that annoys you and what sleep habits. It's like a, a safe place. You're in the safe place. You're in the trust trade. The trust tree, yeah. You're in the trust tree there. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if you are looking to become a super special supporter of the podcast, you can head on over to Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash nutritionnuptials where you can become a show supporter at the dollar, five and $10 level. Lots of great options if you decide to become a patron. And we absolutely love the support because it helps keep our podcast up and running from there. If you're looking to connect over in the social realm with Mandy, the dietitian, you can find me over on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube at Mandy Enright RD. And you can connect with the show on Instagram at nutrition underscore nuptials. That's a lot of 
a lot of communication possibilities. So there's no excuse. There's no excuses. No excuses for not being able to reach out. You're like everywhere. Exactly. And if you missed one of those, head over to the show notes, nutritionnuptials.com, and you can get links to any of those on the show notes, along with links to references and some other stories that we talked about today Mm -hmm. on the show. Okay. All right. Um, Well, Taco, I hope that some couples are going to sleep a lot more soundly now because we've given them the secret of how they can do so. I hope we're one of those couples. (laughs) I think that's a hint. (laughs) Yeah. A hint. You and I have talked about it before. No, but I think also, I think what I liked about this particular topic was that we are so on different sides of it. And so like right, wrong doesn't really matter. What probably more matters is that you're on the same page or that you do something productively together to get more sleep. Honestly, or at least you talk about it and you know. So if you know that your partner gets pissed off at you for turning the TV on at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, don't do that. Then you can respect that or figure out a plan day. Right, exactly. So I think this was an interesting topic. All right, well, I'm glad. So um, happy sleep week to everyone. I hope sleep you- Sleep awareness. I hope you get more sleep Be or more sleep aware. awareness. Be yes. more aware of your sleep your sleep patterns, how you can improve them. And if you do need help tracking that, head on over to nutritionnuptials.com slash starter guide where you can get my um, meal plans, fitness, and there is a sleep tracker on there as well. So you can start tracking your sleep patterns. I I need to do that. I know you should. I don't. I'm not going to. I told you I didn't like the sleep tracker that I had. But that one was attached to you. This one's like less invasive. Is it like a journal? It's just a journal. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't want the less invasive sleep tracker, head over to Nutrition Nuptials. Nutritionnuptials.com slash starter guide. Get yours today. There you go. All right, Taco. Well, um, I think our work here is done. I agree. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into the Nutrition Nuptials podcast and for saying I do to your happily, healthfully ever after. Adios, amigos. Food mares. Yeah. All right. So, so did you I'm remember, gonna, do you remember when, where food mare started for you? Uh, I rem- well, okay. When, when you and I talk about food mares, there's, it was before my time. I, so I don't know what the origin story for you is, but I always think about you t- telling me about the Qdoba experiences after late night drinking in Hoboken. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's where my food mare started. Late night burritos, bad news. Late night tacos. Good. Late night burritos, <laughs> bad. Yes. So what's the origin story according to you? And then you have oh, to I thought see it was, what food mares are. I, I just thought it was, I thought it was after like, we've had some days of like heavy drinking and then went out eating and then just didn't also. Oh man, your memory sucks. Terrible. Yeah.